Uh, so before we get started, I was wondering if I could just tease something that we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, Joe, as you know, Duff sent a, um, a horrifying picture to us from his childhood. <laughs> and I, I think, I think it's mangled, it's mangled toddler body. Is it, hor- <laughs> is it horrifying? <laughs> I think, I think it's related in, uh, to this movie and I think we should talk about it later on. Shh. Listeners, welcome to another episode of a free podcast. I'm your co-host Rob, and joined as always by my smoker friends Joe and Duff. <laughs> vroom vroom. I'm more of a gill person, I guess. <laughs> I love um, my little my little rusted jet ski. <laughs> we're we're gonna talk about. Um, you guys ever been on a jet ski? I have not. I have not. I was thinking about that when I was watching it. Did you okay? Now we're already getting me off track. We're gonna talk about Waterworld, but did you guys? There's a thing I heard when I was a kid about jet skis that I've believed my entire life, and as I thought about it, I realized there's no way it's true. Okay, there's absolutely no way it's true. Did you hear? Did you hear? You can't get pregnant if you do it on a jet ski. Um, (laughs) Not quite, but somewhat related. I had heard. Oh God! that, That one of the incidents that can happen to you when you're on a jet ski. Especially for women. Oh, oh I no. don't. Not the water thing in the back. Is it? What yeah. This is really, come on. Is, is that a, okay? So that wasn't well, just well, a fin, schooner fin, thing. No, uh, I'm putting. Fin, I know how your brain works. Finish it. And well, I know not, how it operates. So what, I don't know what, if like new jet skis do this. I don't know. I don't know my jet ski history. But you know, jet skis like you know as much the, about jet skis as you do about women. But yeah. that's <laughs> never never stopped you before. So never what, ridden one. So what's um, this? What's this almost for sure urban legend you heard? So, so you know how there's like the water stream that shoots off the back in a water ski? Yeah. Uh-huh. I've heard when I was in my youth that uh, you have to be careful on jet skis because if you fall off the back, that water pressure is so powerful that it can internally harm you. Idiotic. Just an absolute <laughs> moron brain. What what is wrong with what is wrong with you? Hey, hey, be really careful getting in that hot tub. You could do internal damage. It's the same thing. I also don't understand when I think about it why the jet skis have a thing that's just the, shooting the water. outboard motors have shoot water out too. Because they're they're taking on water and have to put it somewhere. Like they're mm. Okay, like humans. Yes, that's why you okay. can't run. Much... Like you can't run them when they're out of the water because then it doesn't bring water through it. You have to like. Oh boy! I did, Haven't I you ever notice... noticed that an upward mo- the outboard motor sprays water? Just sprays it like straight back, so you don't. Motorboat Joe. I don't know all these things. Well, I'm a boat boy. <laughs> I'm just. Here's Rob. Just be around... careful out there on those jet skis, I, I, especially you I'm ladies. I'm just trying to think. I, like you, someone gives you a ride on a jet ski, and you're just holding on so tight because you want to protect your anus. Yeah, I mean, it, are you are you like Molly? You can't go on. <laughs> you're you're twice as likely to be I, ma- I to be maimed. By Molly, what if we decide we want to have another kid, and we can't because you got on a ski do? Listen, I can ride because there's only a one percent. There's only one chance it can get in, but you, it's two, and we can't take that risk. Christ. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't believe it now. But, that is um, an extremely like high, like middle school thing to tell tell people. 
and yeah. you've held on to it for a long time. I feel like my parents told it to me too, which I think <laughs> might have just been a way to keep me off jet skis. It uh, worked. So that is what makes us so well equipped to talk about Waterworld because we know gadgets. Mm-hmm. We know jet alternative. Skis. We know jet skis. <laughs> uh, you go to Wisconsin Lake, there's going to be jet skis out on it. They're going to be neon. And you're probably going to hate the person driving And it's it. not local people who are on the jet skis. They're all from Illinois. Yep, or Minnesota, depending on the part of the the the, the state you are in. No one yeah, from that. Wisconsin's ever bought a, a, a jet ski. No, I, don't, I think that's honest <laughs> I mean, to God true. The, the, snow, the snowmobile... Uh, snowmobile and ATV culture is, I think, pretty similar in Minnesota. It's it's huge once you get up north. Yeah. So what we're here to talk about, though, is Waterworld. And and this is continuing our um, When Movies Attack. We've previously discussed The Crow. We've discussed Roar. Now we're discussing Waterworld. The beauty of these seasons, and Duff, you, you, this is your design on this season, is those are three very different movies that we've somehow tied together. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I got tired of talking about James Bond. <laughs> That's fair. And very That's different uh, things harming people. We have a firearm. Then <laughs> we have jungle cats. <laughs> <laughs> and now the cold embrace of the of the sea. Yep. And let's let's okay. So uh, everyone knows Waterworld. Um, we're gonna get into it, but let's let me do a plot synopsis first. I've done my best here. This one's um, very simple, I think, actually. You know, it's true, but then when you start writing it, it gets hard. But we'll see. Uh, as always, jump in, guys. So, um, ice caps have melted, and it's a water world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's full of water. Uh, so, we follow we follow the Mariner, who's played by uh, Kevin Rob's, Costner. Rob's hero. Uh, well, yeah, we're going to get to that. Uh, he lives on a really cool boat. I can't get her. The guys are super cool boat. I love the boat. Love all the boat stuff. Um, he arrives at an atoll to sell dirt. They they find out that he's a mutant and has gills and web feet, so they <laughs> imprison him. Um, while this is happening, we also meet Helen, who's That's played by... That's after someone made the mistake of stealing his limes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Lime guy's delightful. Um uh, he, we meet Helen, who is Jan Triplehorn, uh, who we've previously talked about in Basic Instinct, um, who is the uh, the caretaker of a child named Enola, who has a tattoo on her back that is a map to dry land. I guess. Yeah, we'll get the. Uh, <laughs> there, there are uh, the bad guys, which are simply called the Smokers, who are led by Deacon, played. Uh, listen, I'm a big fan of him in this movie, played by Dennis Hopper. Um, did, played by did the cat the check clear yet Dennis Hopper? <laughs> I would argue this is just Dennis Hopper being Dennis Hopper. No, I, I I'm not saying he didn't try, but in yeah. the '90s he he was not had no problem at all taking. I uh, no, cash I think gigs. he was. I think he was just happy to be working again. Because mm-hmm. he had kind of a lull, like he had that, and to be alive. He had that. Yeah. He had that blue velvet comeback, but then like what was there between blue velvet and then the kind of triple whammy of speed water world and super mario brothers i mean dennis hopper has been a top 10 draft pick in celebrity deaths for 25 to 40 years oh and he's even, still going even longer like there were people in like the <laughs> early 70s like how long is this dude gonna last for your ods <laughs> he's still going no so what do, mean, um, what do you mean he's still going he's he's dead now isn't he no he's alive i thought dennis hopper died 11 almost 11 years ago what <laughs> no he died me. in 2010 dennis hopper is dead he died in 2010 <laughs> i didn't really 
I was going to say, I, th- I knew it had been at least a couple of years. <laughs> it's been... No wonder he hasn't It been will have much. been 11 years next month. Here, listen, at a free podcast, we do our research. Yeah, obviously. Um. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So yeah, uh, Dennis so Hopper good. is deacon leader of a... Of a the cult, smokers. Of a cult-like organization. I mean, yeah. he's... Okay, okay. This movie, he he's Immortan Joe. This movie is just is Mad Max at sea, and he's basically the Immortan Joe character, right? Yeah. Yeah. This movie is Mad Max on sea, absolutely. So, um, uh, so he shows up. They launch an attack on the toll. There's uh, an eccentric inventor named Gregor who escapes <laughs> via a hot air balloon. So um, it's been, it bugged me for a long time about who that was, because mm-hmm. I was like, God, I've seen that guy before, and, um. I, f- I figured out what it's from. Okay. It's from a TV show, Evening Shade. Oh, the Burt Reynolds show. What? So Burt Reynolds had a TV show uh, in the early 90s where he uh, was an was ex-NFL player. Are you making w- this up? No. No, it was and a real he, show. And he went back. Uh, he moves to like rural... I can't remember where exactly. Well, it's called Evening Shade. That's the the name of the town is also the name of the show. Oh, okay. And he uh so he used to play for the Steelers and now he's going to be a high school football coach in Evening Shade. It uh I I knew it lasted a few seasons. I'm now seeing 98 episodes, four seasons. Wow. And, and that guy was one of the like coast like uh I don't know exactly who he played, but he I remembered him from that show for some reason. And he, he's it was a uh, Michael Jeter who's in a lot of stuff. So I don't know how much our listeners are going to learn, but I've learned that Dennis Hopper is alive and that there was a Burt Reynolds football show in the 90s. You learned Dennis Hopper's dead, you mean? Shit. <laughs> are you okay? I refuse. Did you I sit refuse on a jet to believe. wrong today? I'm a Dennis Hopper truther. He's alive. <laughs> he faked his death and he's still going. It was definitely very suspicious that he died at the young age of 74 after his healthy life. <laughs> definitely very suspicious. He also seems like a celebrity who might fake their death to get the IRS off their back. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he's in like, he, he, he's in rural Belize right now, hiding. <laughs> like he, he's probably in Arkansas coaching football. Oh, God. Um, okay. So cool. uh, the Mariner, uh, during the attack, uh, Helen and Enola save the Mariner and escape with him. Uh, he causes much destruction to Deacon's forces in the escape. So Deacon wants the map and the Mariner. So uh, they are attacked multiple times via ambush, via airplane with Jack Black, uh, until they are eventually boarded, and then they take Enola hostage, and the Mariner ship is destroyed. Luckily, Gregor comes by in his flying machine and takes them to the where the rest of the Atoll survivors are. The Mariner then goes to the Smoker's home base, which is the Exxon Valdez. Yep. We find out at the end, yes. Um, and saves Enola and takes out pretty much the entire base. He escapes uh, with Helen and, and Enola via Gregor's flying machine again. And uh, they figure out the map. Uh, it's latitude and longitude, which takes them to dry land, which ends up being Mount Everest. Uh, and then the Mariner decides... Uh, that the ocean is his home and uh, he builds a new <laughs> ship and, and leaves. He needs to find his gill people. Yes, he needs to find other mutants. Um, is there anything important I missed there, friends? 
I don't think so. That's about okay. it. So now we have to talk about, uh, we watched the three hour cut of this movie. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we need to talk about how, how this works out. So essentially the movie came out and we'll talk about the production and reception and all that on that Come, comes out. It's about a two hour long movie, a little longer. <clears throat> a few years later, ABC shows our version of this movie, but shows a version that's 40 minutes longer. Uh, and then what, and what Waterworld fans have done is they they essentially took the TV version content-wise, but then made sure they put in all the original theatrical stuff so things aren't, like, cut out for language and, and I guess, s- sexual situations there's, or whatever. There's, there's some buttocks in the There's beginning. some butt. Um, and they, they kind of create what's called the Ulysses cut because at the end – in the original theatrical cut, the Mariner has no name, but at the end, she kind of tells the story of Ulysses, and he gets that name. Um, so that's what we watched. You know what? That- the the Waterworld fans, they're, they're like the Snyder Cut people, except they actually did something. You know what? Good on them. They're- yeah, because this is this like, this like this, uh, cut got like a Blu-ray release a couple years ago. I think it even got like a 4K release now. Like, yeah. The, they basically willed this into existence. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so that's what we watch. So a couple things we said might be a little different. I read a very long article that detailed the differences. And th- essentially a lot more world building stuff is added. There's more There's more Dennis Hopper, RIP uh, uh, content. There's more about stuff at the Atoll earlier on. There's just kind of more story. And at the end, I don't, I don't think you know it's Mount Everest if you watch the theatrical cut but in this one you do and, but the, thea- I'll- and the theatrical cut he he doesn't uh he isn't named he isn't named ulysses right and that's why no. it's the Uly- that's the ulysses cut so he's yes. just he's just the the gill man with no name yes the mariner yeah so um yeah you know I, I enjoyed it. I mean, the Ulysses cut was fine. I don't think it's essential it's not like there's giant plot points and stuff that are different it's just if you like Waterworld. You would like the Ulysses cut. If you don't like Waterworld, I can't imagine this changing your view on it. That the, th- seems- the, the things that are good are still good. Uh, it does not help anything else. It, <laughs> it does. Yeah. The things that are wrong with this movie, and I, it's, I think overall, it's a f- okay movie. I was not super into it, um, aside from the production design, which is excellent. Um, but yeah, if you think uh, the dialogue is bad and the acting is wooden this cut does not fix that mm-hmm. it's it's a it's we'll get into it like it's a weird movie that has been dragged and hated for so long when it's like fine it's fine i don't think it's amazing i don't think it's bad it's just a it's just it's just like a standard summer blockbuster quality wise there's just it costs a lot of money it, and there's some really cool things it's poor, like we say, it's poor man's Mad Max, and even the people involved with it would agree, because that was their goal in making it. They were like, yeah, I'm just going to make a Mad Max ripoff, but it's going to be on water. Yeah, yeah, which, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine with. If, 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 if there was a new IP that was announced that was going to be on the water and be ap- apocalyptic, I'd be interested. Yeah. So, Joe, do you have anything to add about the actual quality of the movie? Yeah, it's uh, the first like forty-five minutes of it are is really really awesome. I think, and then mm-hmm. just people talk more and more. All yeah. the stuff, all the stuff like with 
the Mariner and Helen and Enola on the raft gets pretty old. You you need performers with an incredible amount of charisma, and that raft is absent of any at all. Uh, Kevin Costner has a very small area of range that he mm-hmm. can handle. Like, so, Bull Durham, Kevin Costner, great. Uh, Kevin Costner, where he's sitting on a raft with a little kid and another lady, and the three of them have to carry about an hour of the movie, he's not up to it. Yeah. A- action Costner is the worst Costner. For sure. It's it's um it's it's a weird movie that, like, at the beginning nails world building and then spends too much time world building, and you're like, wait, I don't need to know all this. Like the production design and what you showed was enough for me to be interested. I don't need to know a whole lot more than that. And it's, there's too much of a drag in action from after he escapes the atoll with the kid and Mm -hmm. that lady, you know, then it's like what, another hour over an hour where almost nothing happens. And that'd be cool if there's like sea monsters or, well, there, there is a sea monster. There, there's the shortest sea monster scene in history. Yeah. Like a, like a real sea monster thing. Yeah. 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 I get it. I get it. So, all right, let's get into the production of this though. I think that's why we're talking about it. Um, and you know what people know, like the, the general, you know, consensus on this movie, I guess, is it was a, it was it was the most expensive movie ever made at the time. Who cares? Um, I know. You know I like, know. I, here's here's what I want to say before we even get into this. I'm coming okay. around to the idea that we're just better off not knowing any of this stuff because I agree because it, it makes the press and fans weirdly like turn. It, it's the same as like when a team spends a lot of money on a player. And everyone gets all worked up about it. And in the end, it's not my money. Nope. It's not your money. Who cares? I'm I'm I actually am hundred percent with you. Like I'm I'm interested in it like after the fact. It's kind of, you know, oh, a movie was only made for that much. It's interesting. Or but I agree, when it's being made, uh and and I also feel like the world has changed on this because I feel like in like the, you know, Heaven's Gate through Ishtar to Waterworld to Titanic to Avatar, this was always a big story, right? Like, oh my God, they're spending. Can you see how much money they're spending on this? And I don't like. Do people talk? No one like is talking was, about how much Endgame cost. It was for a time a big thing, and I'm in agreement that I don't know why it happened. Because do you remember this also happened with actor salaries, which I think we yes. agree are pretty exorbitant. But whatever, it's not. Yeah, my money. Who cares? Not my money. But, but and and if remember, they don't get the money, then like the the CEO of Warner Brothers gets instead. Right. It's know? like it's not like it's it's not like oh well, we're gonna distribute it against the union members or something like that. You you were never gonna get that money. But I remember like there was a huge backlash against Jim Carrey because he yep. was getting twenty million dollars for mm-hmm. Cable Guy or something, mm-hmm. and. It's not like it was that big of a leap. Like people like Schwarzenegger were getting like ten or twelve million or something. But I remember like there was this honest to God backlash. It's like, oh, is every actor gonna be paid that now? And blah blah blah. It's like who cares? Yeah. I I think uh The Lone Ranger is the last movie I could think of that was like this where it ballooned mm. like it was cost a lot of money. Or that uh John Carter from Mars or whatever it was. Called. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But like now like we we have an ecosystem where 
most of the money is being spent, but the studios are spending all of their money on just Marvel and Star Wars and DC trash. And the other, all the other money is just Netflix and Amazon just like throwing money into a giant shredder, making all of these like really average movies. And, but yeah, no one seems to care about them doing it. I don't know sure why. I, I guess they've I... all gotten really comfortable with like, well, everyone just takes it as a given. Like, oh, well, they're tech companies, so they're not expected I, to make money. I think so everyone, okay. I think everyone just got used to corporate synergy and how just it got like, you know, when you get to the billions, like people can't even comprehend that. So it's just kind of like the the amounts of money just kept getting so high that eventually people are like, oh, whatever, I don't care. It could also just be that no one reads magazines anymore, and the and the only thing that was like fueling all of this stuff was like variety. Yeah, you know, that's like a good that. point. That's so good now point. you can't go wait for the dentist and read about like fiasco that is Waterworld, you know. And 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 also the the news cycle is so fast that it might be a tweet and people talk about it for you know four hours of the day. And by the next day, it's moved on and no one cares anymore. Yeah. So, Whereas before, things would kind of like stick. And then, you know, there was like the magazine cycle and then like the news talking about it. And then just sort of like then the magazine reporting about what was happening. Like that just doesn't exist anymore. So with all that said, this movie did cost a pretty impressive amount of money. And mm-hmm. I, I, I did the inflation calculator. So most people agree and I don't know if this includes marketing. It it very well could not. But let's say it's a hundred and seventy five million dollars. Usually, is, those totals don't include marketing that you yeah. read online. So, a hundred seventy five million in nineteen ninety four is now three hundred and ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, I just looked it up. That is like end game money. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So it, good for Costner. Cost- I actually agree. I actually agree. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. You know, again, like it's studio money, whatever. It's all corporate uh, blood money. But again, like just an insane amount of money to spend on one movie. Um, you and they see made it in though, like, but you see it in this movie, like, because mm-hmm. very, very little of it ha- is made with computers. I think there's a couple like where that that flying boat or what a flying airship. Yeah, yeah. Gregor's I think some of that machine. is CGI sometimes. Um, yes, but like the the sets that they build are incredible in this. I agree. Everything looks great. It's just not. It's I'll call it competently directed. <laughs> like, yes, from yeah. the director of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves comes Waterworld, the most yeah. expensive movie ever made. <laughs> the most it, expensive movie ever made, and they get like a a B minus C plus director. Yeah, it and, is, and a star that. They they found a star that was insane enough to do something like this, but not one with enough charisma to carry it. I hate to, but we'll we'll argue about Kevin Costner. So later, one sure. thing for years, I thought that Costner directed this, and I you know I did too. And I think that's because he he was a big force behind getting it he, made. He was a big force, and he was he had uh, some tussles with the director. Um, but I think one reason why in addition to this, the budget being the big thing people talked about, uh, I think people were desperate to, to dunk on Costner and, mm-hmm. and this served them up, a, you know, just put that T out there and just set the ball down and said, here you go. You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like in a post Pulp Fiction world when things got like a little grittier, like maybe everyone just died. It's like, ah, oh, this Costner guy sucks. 
I think I think you're right. Uh, there's he was like one of the most. I I remember him being made fun of just constantly, mm-hmm. and he's sort of viewed as this example of unbelievable hubris, which in hindsight is well. I suppose he had this. Dances with Wolves obviously worked out. Yeah. Then there's this, and then the Postman. I think Postman. was after it, right? And yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. At the time, in the in in that context, I get it. But in hindsight, it's like, oh no, this guy leveraged his star power to get studios to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on original. Sto- well, the originality of this is let's not overrate sure. it. But but new it's still stuff. it's still new it's not it's not a comic book it's not an adaptation not a sequel which even 25 years ago was becoming rare so yeah yeah my my favorite uh uh fact i read in the production uh and i know you have more duff is that costner stayed in a four and a half thousand dollar a night um villa what uh now something to remember they were they filmed this in hawaii it ran for 157 days that's awesome yeah. The, how? What? How could it cost that much a night? Well, he had his own. He I'm had sure he his had own to, swimming pool, personal staff, butler, and chef. Yeah, I'm sure he had to rent out entire floors for. His and the other life. thing is, like, if you've ever been to Hawaii, it's incredibly expensive. Yeah. And once they knew a film was taking place there, all the like all the services that they knew people would have to use raised their rates a ton because what else were they going to do? Good they on had them. To pay them. Yeah. Good Absolutely. On them. Who cares? I read some fact where this brought in like millions of money dollars into Hawaii for, for just the amount of money this film spent on people and staff and like the whole thing. And part of Mo- me is like, fine, who cares? Movies are the exact opposite of Super Bowls and Olympics and that movies actually... <laughs> do bring in money to economies whereas yeah. like the olympics or the super balls just a super balls just a giant grift and you actually end up losing money mm-hmm. yeah so i i don't know i find that just fascinating um okay so what we got to get into here though duff tell us the mishaps tell us why we're talking about this yeah what occurred so i think the best way to like start this off is uh Kevin Reynolds, who's the director that uh, we mentioned, Joe mentioned, uh, also did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, He was talking to uh, Steven Spielberg. He says, Steven, I'm doing this Waterworld movie and we're shooting on water. Do you have any advice for me? And Spielberg basically said, don't. (laughs) Spielberg said. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Spielberg said, do not shoot on water. You're going to need some shots. Just send your second unit, but just do it on sets. Uh, Kevin should have listened. <laughs> and and, and, the, and Waterworld really does, like, set up the world that, that – and we don't need to talk about this since we had an entire podcast about Titanic. But, like, that sets up the world of why everyone was dunking on Titanic so much when it came out because the same thing, right? It's yeah. two years after this, and this was a flop, and it was filmed on water, and Titanic and James Cameron are like, guess what? <laughs> Yeah, but they underestimated, they underestimated uh, 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 that James Cameron was born of the sea. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, he is Poseidon's pos- son. So, yes. <laughs> just kind of setting it up, one thing that kind of shows you what a massive star Kevin Costner was at the time, he sunk $22 million into this movie. Of his, of own, his own money? Of his own money. Wow. Um, and he sunk that money in, which is roughly the same 
amount like as of a cost. Producer? I think so. Well, it must be right. Yeah. Uh, maybe he like gave up back end. That was how much he owed in tips on his villa. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is, twenty two million is roughly what it cost to build that atoll set, mm-hmm. and and that set was destroyed by a hurricane. <laughs> yes, I know it, that like was a big filming. problem. Yes. Number. Let's say that's. Mi- Mishap number one is that a $22 million set is just ruined. <laughs> they so had, they rebuild they, it? Yeah, they rebuild yes. it. So wait, it, it costs $22 million to build it once, or it costs $22 million because they had to build it twice? I believe that it cost $22 million and then was wiped out. So that's like another $22 I highly million. doubt they got that insured. Hello, we'd like to insure this floating city in the middle of the Pacific, please. <laughs> During one scene where Costner is strapped to the mast of his boat, uh, a violent squall uh, basically uh, took Costner's stunt double out to sea, and he was nearly drowned. Uh, Also, Costner nearly died in the squall. Yes. So the Costner thing, I have a little more on that, if I can elaborate. Yeah, I I didn't have much on that. I just have a list of things. So it's the part of the movie where he's tied to the mast, and you get the helicopter shot of him on the mast mm-hmm. uh, on the boat and uh the quote from costner and I, I have to say this quote because um because this is this is prime midnight boys material <laughs> he says quote i read about the twilight zone and every effing thing else he says the notorious 1982 accent that killed actor vic morrow and two children the mere recollection of this shot turns him cranky the helicopter is about 20 feet away from me back the f up costner yelled <laughs> Drowned out by the roar of the helicopter. I, I, frantically... I am 100% on Kevin Costner's side. <laughs> he frantically waved the pilot away. They got the shot, but as the boat turned around, a fierce gale blew up. Quote, I don't know what the reason was, but we had purposely gone out to one of the windiest channels in the world, says Costner, who was stranded, white-knuckled, and lashed to the mast for half an hour. Come on! Uh, quote, he was not happy, says the producer, oh, who was safe on shore. Oh, are you sure? <laughs> But, like, imagine you're the crew, and you're like, all right, Costa, we're going to do this shot. And then he, like, screams. All of a sudden, the, the, the boat just gets taken off. You have, at this point, the biggest star in Hollywood strapped to a boat, and it takes you a half hour to get to him? Yeah. <laughs> I hope he took some extra uh, drinks out of the uh, mini bar that night. <laughs> Eight hundred dollars for a Bud Light. He oh, got he, he got an extra strong uh, Bahama Mama at the uh, at the bar. <laughs> uh, uh, what else do you got, Duff? Uh, the stunt coordinator suffered compression sickness because he was he, underwater too long, and they yes. had to helicopter him to a hospital. Yes, he got the bends, and they had to he had to spend a few days in he, like a decompression he, chamber. He got the reverse of your jet ski injury. <laughs> Um, his his body was basically expelling everything inside him. Uh, Costner Costner's stunt double, who was a world class uh, surfer, I believe, or just kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to the water. His name was Laird Hamilton. Uh, this is the guy. Name. This is the guy that we teased. He was riding his jet ski. Like this guy was just going to work because he lives in Hawaii. So he just rode a jet ski forty miles every day, and he got mm-hmm. stuck. He <laughs> just ran out of gas. It's like if you ran run out of gas on the freeway or something, except he's in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> which, which I I read this about this as well. So apparently, um, I have some quotes here from Kevin Reynolds, the director on this, and. Uh, he said the AD came in and told me one of the stunt guys was missing at sea. I said, what do you mean? 
we aren't even shooting at the sea. Come on. Uh, and then they, they talk about his Duff said he would this guy lived in Hawaii, so he would drive a jet ski. Um he'd wake up before dawn on Monday and drive it forty miles across the ocean to get to work. Uh so they called his wife and she said that he had left for work. He said they sent out the production helicopter out to try and find him. Uh, and they thought he was lost at sea. And towards the end of the day, they found him floating way out in the in the channel, about to be swept out to sea. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so uh, another one I read is that uh, with uh, is it Gian Gian Triplehorn? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's Gian or Jean Triplehorn. Um, so Gian Triplehorn and uh, Tina Major Majorino, who played on all the, they were on board. They were doing a scene where it was them on board the Mariner's uh, boat or raft or whatever. Uh, it started sinking, and they, <laughs> and they basically had to like swim for their lives until the divers could reach them from the wreckage. I I read there was twelve divers. A team of twelve divers had to go and rescue them. Yeah, yeah. Um, something on the boat snapped, so like basically it just started to sink, and they were stranded in the water. Uh, Tina Major, you know, says uh, she was stung by jellyfish seven different times. So, yeah, so that's some of the accidents that occurred. And just beyond that, um, it's one of those productions where there's just a lot of creative tension. Uh, the assistant director quit. Mm-hmm. The physical effects designer and the effects liaison either quit or f- were fired, depending on who you asked. Um the director was quit or fired, oh, depending yeah. on who in, you ask to. In post-production, uh, yeah, Costner supposedly pushed Kevin Reynolds out and finished it himself. Yeah. <laughs> and then handed in the three-hour cut. And then the studio said, no, we need this to be two hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's wild. This is the first... I mean, I guess it's wild that neither in Roar or this, anyone died. Yeah. One more thing about the movie before we get into I know we have some important topics here coming up. Um, Joe, when we talked about um, the Bond movies, uh, you had kind of gone off pretty hard about um, snow skiing and guns. And then you kind of changed your stance as different Bond movies did it better. uh, and, And I had mentioned water skiing. And you're like, what movie? Do people fire guns while they're on water skis? Well, buddy, we found it. We found it. I, I cannot endorse the the storming of the atoll enough. It's great. They have portable rafts that the smokers motorboat in there so that they can then tow water skiers off of the ramps and over the what what siege weapons they have. Water siege. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and then they then they jump their jet skis off of these ramps over the wall. It's very I, very cool. I have a conspiracy theory too on this movie. I think it's right up your alley, Joe. This movie came out in 95, right? Okay. What also was happening at that time that showed the power of an important industry in America? That was big tobacco. And I can't help but wonder oh, man, if some of so the negative stories. Movie. And, and who smokes the bad guys? And what are the bad guys called? Smokers. Did big tobacco put some of that bad press in about Waterworld? Well, they probably paid to have everybody be smoking in the movie. But the, all, they're all bad guys, though, Joe. None of the good people smoke. It's only the bad guys led by Dennis Hopper, and they're called smokers. That's true. This is an anti-smoking movie, and I think tobacco, big tobacco, was against it. That could this be. Is, could, could be. 
this I'm going to rewatch and big the insider oil. and big oil and big oil. Yeah. Yeah. So really I mean, Kevin Costner, the noble environmentalist is undone mm-hmm. by big tobacco and big oil in his effort to just just bring an old fashioned original Hollywood epic to the screen. He he liked playing Robin Hood so much. He became <laughs> a real life Robin Hood. Yeah. Um, so, he robbed uh, from who, which production company made this? Uh, U- Universal. He robbed okay. from Universal to pay for his $4,500 a night villa and fight big oil <laughs> so, and big tobacco. Okay, so here's the thing. I teased this earlier uh, at the beginning, and I, I think we want to talk about it. Um, Duff sent Joe and I a text message. Uh, uh, last week mm-hmm. and in it was a picture of how old were you in the picture Duff eight months old eight months old little Duff he's sitting he's sitting on his on his high chair my throne your throne and uh and he's got three or four casts three three yeah so so two legs in one hand right yes cast it up now a lot of our longtime listeners know this and maybe there's some new water world people out here who don't why did you have these casts? Uh, because I was born with extra digits. I was born with six fingers on my left hand and an extra toe on each of my feet for a total of uh, 23 digits. Three too many, some would say. Uh, you at least want to have an even number. <laughs> so my question is, in my head you were webbed as a kid, but that's not true. Hmm. Uh, I was not webbed. Okay. Does... I kind of feel like for a pretty minor mutation that the Mariner has in this movie, they're pretty harsh to him about it. Is it minor? Well, he, he has breathe, skills. He can breathe underwater. But that's cool. You know what I mean? Like he's not like he's not weird looking freak. He's just got like, you know, webbed feet and no gills behind his ears. I, I get the impression that they've encountered some mutants before. Like this this is part of like their belief system. That mutants are are are, are bad. Are a stain on the yeah are unnatural. I think it, also they, they don't like react to it like they react to it like immediately knowing what to do. You know, like they aren't like shocked into silence. They're like, oh, it's one of them freaks. Do you yeah. think? Do you think it's because minutes before they had offered a woman off to him to impregnate, and now they're like, oh wait a minute, I can't believe we got fooled by the mutant. Old, old uh, Gil over here. I old like Gil. <laughs> I like. I, I like how they call him a muto. muto I believe muto. Yeah, um, I like that too. There was also a, a a point in this movie where someone says muto has a slit, which, oh. <laughs> and they're referring they're referring to his gills, but uh, comes off a little different. I just wondered, as a muto yourself, Duff, um, does it hurt when you see this in movies like this? Uh, <laughs> Does it cut deep? So, so I'm still kind of amazed that you called uh, a man with uh, gills who can uh, breathe underwater a minor difference. Well, compared <laughs> to like compared to the fish guy in Hellboy, it's minor. Well, <laughs> I mean, so I mean, I at least at least with my differences, uh, mine was just some. I just had extra of things. Mm-hmm. Too many. Um, I did. Too Some many. people don't have enough. Uh, I I did not have an. Uh, I was not sporting like a, a a reptilian or fish type breathing system. Okay, I see um, what you're saying. 
Yeah. So to one point I was also going to make about um, why they immediately just turn on the Muto and why they're going <laughs> to. Are we allowed to say that? Um, yeah, Muto. It's what they say. That's what, Muto. I know, so but it's a I, slur in the movie. So well. I think I think that the reason is because uh, so, you know society has, even though it's like five hundred years in the future, society has regressed, and we're now you know we're now back to the point where it's uh, you know it's like the Middle Ages, and if if anyone was born like if I was born in the Middle Ages, they would just would have thrown me in a river and stoned me. <laughs> You know, yeah, if, you would have freaked him out pretty big. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's pretty uh, actually embarrassingly recent that we actually started to, like, care for and tend to people who had either, you know, mental or physical I mean, differences. If we go back to Dracula, when we talked about that, you'd be in that room with the little with the, the people of cages on their heads. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the cockroaches and stuff. Like, yeah. Oh, master, you promised me. Uh, it, It'd be me and Tom Waits in a comically oversized straight jacket, just <laughs> eating eating bugs. Um, but even up, you know, even like until like the nineteen seventies, like if people in society were like different, it's just like oh, just put them in a state hospital. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it wasn't even that long ago. So that's that's my theory about why they turn on the muto so quickly. <laughs> Mutos. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. All right. Well, ain't, it ain't natural. We 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 you promise- can you can you can you can breathe underwater or above, not both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I okay. That's that. I get it. I I get what you're saying. It's once again, uh, Kevin Costner reaching out and trying to make the world better. <laughs> um, so this movie, uh, comes out. Critical reaction is 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 pretty negative about it, but it it's not the box office flop that everyone kind of thinks it is. It it barely made its money back. It was more successful overseas. Um, yes, I saw it, it in the movie theater. It made uh, I think about two hundred million dollars. Which yeah, is, in America it was the number ten movie in nineteen ninety five. So you know, like people went like it was a lot of people went inside. Just it was just so much. So it expensive. it wasn't like uh, Ishtar or something like that where no. no no one actually saw it in theaters. No, I mean it made just I think number nine in ninety five was Goldeneye. Yeah, so. I mean, I mean, think about that. Like, think yeah. about how <laughs> how well received Goldeneye was, um, and I mean, Goldeneye isn't re- is regarded as a financial success, so it's kind of a comeback, and not a ton of difference financially in these two movies. So it goes again into people just care about nonsense about budgets and such. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but since then, this movie has sort of, you know, I'm not going to say there's a change in how people think about this necessarily. But there, as we mentioned before, with the Ulysses cut, there is, there are water world fans out there. It has a strong enough fan base to hobble together a TV cut of this movie. Mm -hmm. And, and obviously, I mean, movie studios never do anything unless there's profit in it. So we Mm -hmm. would not, we would not have a Blu-ray or 4k or whatever release of this. If the fans weren't out there. Speaking of fandom, we got it. We've teased it. We got to get to it. Kevin Costner. As a star, I know I, we kind of. I, I envisioned you just staying up all night, just ha- like like Martin Luther making his his uh, thesis, <laughs> just ha- hammering your your ninety five thesis about yeah. Kevin Costner to a door somewhere. So okay, yeah, we're gonna get to that. But what, what I want to talk about is this is kind of the end of him as a star, though, right? I mean, he he Waterworld comes out in ninety five and ninety four. He had 
Wide Earp that was also a bust, especially compared to Tombstone. Waterworld, Postman in 97 is another bust. And then he kind of like... The Postman was also like another embarrassing bust because it was another like huge sweeping epic. Mm -hmm. And I feel like everyone gets their knives out for those. And And yet Tom Hanks can take Apple's money to make the same thing and no one yells at him. Doesn't he have like a Postman movie now? Yeah. Yes. News of the world. Um, and then, you know, outside of like he, you know, he he directs the Postman. He directed, and then he doesn't direct the movie until Open Range, which I guess is his sort of like, you know, kind of comeback. That was like a well-reviewed, regarded movie. I, I don't remember how it did box office-wise, but you know, it, that was kind of like comeback. And since then, Costner is just like a guy who's in movies sometimes, but far from being a star. He, if Kevin Costner is the first name on the marquee of a movie, it's usually not a good sign. I, I don't even know when the last time that happened at this point. In uh, 2014, uh, Costner, he had a, let's call it a minor comeback in, in uh, Man of Steel. And mm. no one saw Man of Steel for Kevin Costner, but it's just one of those things where he was in the movie and he wasn't totally embarrassing. Lots of stuff in that movie is embarrassing, but he wasn't. Um, so ever, like everyone got in their heads like, oh, let's, let's give old Costner another shot. So Man of Steel's 2013. He comes out swinging in 2014. He appears in, f- let me see, one, two, three, five movies. And they're all pretty. Get those checks. Get those checks, Kevin. He, uh, he was in Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. Um, three <laughs> By a good friend, Kenneth Branagh did that one. <laughs> did he? Mm-hmm. Yes, he directed that. Wow. Um, he was in Three Days to Kill. He was in Draft Day, The Man Who Saved the World, and the movie Black or White. Guys, none of these world, n- none of these movies uh, began the the Rakosner sans. <laughs> true, true. Well, I'm maybe it starts now because I'm here for a passionate defense of Kevin Costner. You are like uh, Selena's uh, that. Selena's number one fan slash entourage person who killed her in the end, who just went so crazy <laughs> that she, that she murdered her. Here's here's like, let me let me let me here's here's how I think we ultimately got to look at actors. I'm not a I'm not a judge of who's a great actor and who's not a good actor. It's not a thing I'm good at. I don't think he's a great actor, um, but I do think he has star power. I feel like he's in a movie. Kevin Costner has whatever we want to call it that actors have um, that you know, make them compelling on the screen I, where I think Costner when, when it, when it's all said and done and he, you know, retires or goes off to the open range in the sky. Um, I think we're going to look back at his career and be like, damn, it's pretty good. You know, like the untouchables, bull Durham field of dreams, dance of wolves, JFK, a perfect world. Those are, all really good movies. Here's the problem with your argument, though. Okay. If uh, any one of those movies, including JFK or a, a number, I, I mean, I still think I like Field of Dreams a lot. I think A Perfect World is good. If you said, uh, if you said, oh, Kevin Costner can't be in any of these and we're going to get someone else, I could see it. Like, but he I, was. I think I mean but there's a big difference between just this dude got really lucky and failed upward then he's Mm. gonna be remembered fondly I I, I think I think I don't know 
I, I don't know if I buy that. And here's what I think the biggest criticism. But here's here's what I think Costner's um, mistake he was in his career. And I will and I want to tell you this is why I like him more. Can you think of another actor in our lifetime who was as big of a star as Costner was? And let, let's like you know, mid '90s, early '90s. Costner was uh, the biggest star, one of the top three. Top top. Yeah, top three, top five. Um, Can you think of another person in our lifetime who reached those heights of stardom that has not been a star of a sequel? Hmm. I don't think... I, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Technically, the Jack Ryan is a sequel, but I, I think yeah. you're, in spirit, your argument stands. But um, I just find that interesting. Because as you mentioned, we were talking earlier about Costner like with... Um, these budgets, these big budget movies he did and stuff like they're not, you know, there are to some extent original properties um, or at least they're not like based off a, a, an existing IPO or something or, or a sequel to a movie. He's not in any franchises. Now that changes a little bit, I guess, with the DC stuff he's in now. But as far as I understand, that's like a one shot thing. He's not like, I don't he's, know if Superman's dad's going to keep coming back. It's not. Yeah, it's not going to be like, you know. Paul Rudd, where all of a sudden he's in 10 Marvel movies. I think I'm looking at his filmography. He's in Man of Steel and he's in uh, Dawn of Justice and Justice League, but he probably shot most of those all in the same day. (laughs) He's, you know, his role as Pa Kent is about what you'd expect. He's not a huge presence in Man of Steel. So what I think ultimately happened is um, I think – I think Costner's stardom is partly because he was a decent, I don't know if counter-programming is the word, but like at on one hand in Hollywood when, when Schwarzenegger and Stallone and all these sort of action stars we talk about were big, you had Costner that was sort of like the adult contemporary version of these guys that was doing <laughs> stuff, right? He's the smooth jazz Schwarzenegger is what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, he's the Michael Bolton. That's... <sighs> That's I, that's putting out hits. I hate that there's <laughs> something to this. And and okay. he was, you know, he's got dude movies with like The Untouchables um and even like A Perfect World, but he also has movies like Field of Dreams and in I would even say like Dance of Wolves and then like The Bodyguard who can like, you know, appeal to a, a broader base. I don't know, man. To me Costner is just he's likable enough in things he's in a lot of he i will grant you he winds up in a lot of movies i like um but to me it's just i think a lot of people were like just became confused about why a movie was good i think i think i think i you know as opposed to now how we've somehow figured it out i guess i'm just saying like the untouchables i've I don't know who, but I think you easily could have replaced him in The Untouchables. Oh, yeah, I, I, for sure. The only movie I'll say that I'll like ride or die on Costner being great in is A Perfect World. I think he's really good in That's that That's probably his best performance. But I the, agree. But The Untouchables, people remember Sean Connery. They remember De Niro. They remember, mm-hmm. they remember that weird... Uh, Oh, uh, Buster Keaton looking henchman guy being thrown <laughs> off the roof. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Costner is just an audience surrogate in that movie, and I think that's true for most of his stuff. I think he's easily replaceable with another uh, yeah, good look, good looking white. Dude. A lot of a lot of situations, he's like the worst part of a good movie. Like he's hmm. the worst part of JFK. I think he gives lo- the worst performance in it. I think easily. 
I mean, he's just an audience surrogate, and I think usually. But he has good... to do an accent. Yeah, that's a mistake. I'm just saying, like, again, like you cast someone else in that movie, fine. Uh, you know, I it's... just, I, I just think it's like a dangerous game when you can be like, oh, this actor's been in like half a dozen good movies, and be like, well, if someone else is in it, they'd still be good. It's like, well, uh, well yeah, I don't know. That's true I, for a lot of things. I guess I, I think it's going to be one of those where in like 40 years, people are looking back on films of like the 80s and 90s. And they're going to watch his performances. And they're going to be like, this guy was a star? How? I don't think so. I think I so. Think so. I, I, think, I, don't, I think it's going to look kindly on him. Uh, well, I guess we'll, well And we I also think, he, we'll you know, see, to go along Dove's point, like, part of it also is like, and, and another, like, I love talking about the, the Midnight Boys cinematic universe because we've talked about so many movies now. But, like, in the Madonna doc, I think there's that moment where she, like, makes fun of him for... Like, there's, like, a mo- moment that happens where Costner went from being cool to quickly being very uncool. And I think um, part of that is, you know, he directs Dance of Wolves, which is, like, your typical... I actually think Dance of Wolves is a good movie. I would actually say a very good movie. But, um, you know... I, have, I haven't seen it in 20-plus years, but I remember it's well-directed. I, yeah, like, he, it's not as good as Goodfellas, but, like, that's... It, it, that's not fair necessarily to like be like, oh, you're not as good as maybe the best movie of the decade. I, I think the biggest, uh, beyond that it won Best Picture, which is pretty ridiculous, I think the big thing people probably more rightfully dunk on is that it's like white savior movie. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember liking it. It's been a very long time. Um, but, but, you know, that's sort of like the most prestige prestige movie you can like make, right? And it wins and it becomes a big, you know, I, I can just see you also, I kind of think like for the Reagan era, Costner is like a perfect movie star. Uh, I mean, I probably would agree with that. He's just, he, I think Costner um, is a very boomer friendly star. Yeah, and I think I, you're right. And I think he, he reminded people, <laughs> He's like the poor man's, you know, name your movie star of the 50s and 60s. He's like, and that's kind of what Costner's always done. He's like, like, I don't, I don't think the big lesson from that should have been Costner is a bankable star. But he was. But he was. So what do I do? I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think like at the end of the day, he's in a lot of movies that I think are good. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that's the ultimate measure as you as an actor in Hollywood. How many good movies did you do? And if you've got a half dozen, that's pretty great. That's fair, I guess, yeah. Now, Duff, mm-hmm. you have a question for us. Yeah, and I felt like it would I would spoil this um, if I gave too much time to think about it. This, okay. is, a, this is a go go with your gut question. Okay, all right. So there's uh, a common, uh, usually on Twitter, a common Twitter question is you have to take a movie and you take the cast and every one of the cast is now played by Muppets except for one human. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's your water world? Which character do you keep as the human? And then the rest are Muppets playing. These it has roles. to be Kevin Costner, right? You know, that's, that's the obvious answer, but I think my answer is Dennis Hopper remains. I think, yeah, that's oh, what I was thinking too. too. Yeah. Plus I, Plus, you get that classic Kermit Piggy banter if Kermit is the the Mariner and Piggy is the Helen character. But but but, but who? Which? <laughs> I mean, I guess you can dr- drastically rewrite this, but like the Mariner has to be like a loner. 
could be Kermit. I love the I idea of Kermit. If, I don't think Kermit's too nice and wants to be friends with people. Look, I, I mean, think we Gonzo can, is the Mariner. We can. I do like Gonzo. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. like a, a freak too. No one knows what he is. That's true. He's a, mm. a whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. The other thing this movie suffers by that that um, you just mentioned uh, would fix it is not that not that she's herself is bad in it but like anytime and it felt like it was more common during this era like movies like we gotta have a kid yeah we don't gotta have a kid oh the kids everybody. oh and maybe it's the ulysses cut but man this kid especially when she's given that monologue about the mariner this gets into some jake lloyd phantom menace territory for me this kid this kid gets real annoying like have you ever been like having a good time with your friends and just been like i wish a kid was here that's how it's I feel so with these movies. Like, I mean, kids are kids are great or whatever, sure. But uh, <laughs> when's, mean, when's that like, baby due, Joe? Movies, Couple months now. In these movies, why are we bringing kids into them all the Dude, time? It, I was thinking the same thing because watch this movie. This isn't a movie. Like a kid this works kid? in a movie when it's a movie that a kid can watch and put themselves in the shoes of the kid. This kid is a living MacGuffin. This kid is are. asked to go down into the hold. Because her mom figure is going to give it up to the gill boy. The gill boy. <laughs> like, there's nothing in this movie for, like, like a 12-year-old girl to, like, watch exactly. and enjoy, you know? Exactly. So who is it for? That's my point and- here. Like, when you're hanging out with the boys, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you've got your cracking open some high life, Steely Dan's playing, you're sitting outside <laughs> in your backyard. You're never like, man, I wish I'd... I wish a bunch of kids were here right now. I mean, <laughs> and especially when the kid, the character of the kid is, here. here's one way to put it. If this kid were a corpse, it would serve the same purpose. Yes, all this the whole kid, point is it's got, it, it, it's a skin map. Yeah, all this, yeah. all they're interested in this kid for is the tattoo on the kid's back. They're, all we know about Enola is that she like Moses was put into a basket and like and, floated out to sea. And and the whole point, uh, the other point is to like teach the Mariner about like what it means to care about other people. But then what is in the end, he just leaves anyways. Yeah. So he doesn't actually really learn anything or change all that much. So I, I know I his think life Joe, doesn't change. So Joe, I think you have more issues with the performance of, uh, john connor and terminator 2 than i do but i feel like this movie took the wrong it just kind of half-assed the terminator 2 dynamic Hmm. i think that they they tried to make the little girl and costner into the arnold furlong um relationship but but like arnold you're no i think you're exactly right there and that's a really good point and edward furlong is pretty annoying in terminator 2 but there is some moments of that approach chemistry between him and arnold so, and I can't really judge T2 objectively because I saw it when I was like eight. And But yeah. the difference is, like Joe said, like I could imagine myself as John Connor. Like I, yes. you, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can envision I that. would pay all the money in the world to have that somehow digitally remade where he was escorting you. That's she's like the future of movies, or that could be a thing. I'm sure, just like you're deep faked into it, but you get to act everything, and then they like deep fake it in. Just seeing you like riding around in your dirt bike, in my uh, public enemy shirt, (laughs) (laughs) 
does he wear a Guns N' Roses shirt too? Or no, is that his but, but they they play Guns N' Roses on the on the on his boombox. Um, and again, yeah, going back to uh, just James, Dof- yeah, major James, drag, huh? J- J- <laughs> Mom! <laughs> Mom! I order you. <laughs> I order um, you. Going, going back to like... I don't think I'd like, survive the film. I think I'd die before the end of it. Yeah, You're speaking just, of like You James earnestly Cameron. reading those lines would be... Would just kill me. <laughs> hey, you're not my dad, Todd. <laughs> you're not... I'm sorry. We're going so far off track. Oh my god! It'd so, be so, I mean, any any of the three of us in it would be really, really funny. But you're Joe. not my dad, Todd. Oh god! <laughs> Just that line alone. Oh god. Uh, Joe Duff. We went to the water world. We survived, just like everyone in the crew did. Um, well, is there anything else you want to? Most you want to add? I think we've t- talked more about water world than anyone in the planet ever has probably talked about it enough right i i think i think i've shared all my thoughts on water world yeah so what are we I've... talking about next week yeah we're going to talk about the the right stuff which is uh listen people want that nasa knowledge that i have <laughs> uh, oh yeah we have an insider yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're really yeah, inside no. information so we're talking about the right stuff uh there was an incident where someone died on the set of that which we'll get into so we've done um, uh this will be in the sky i would assume yeah, yeah. Yeah, Le- leaving the earth. We're going all sorts of places. Uh, for anyone not aware, of the right stuff is uh, it's based on a Tom Wolf article or book about the about the uh, Gemini and Apollo astronaut trainings and the the space race. Yeah. You, you, do you guys have those weird things where you get people or movies confused for absolutely no reason? But like who's afraid of Tom Wolf? <laughs> Any. <laughs> I always, for some reason, like think of the right stuff and the big chill together. Uh, I don't know if oh, it's because it's no, they I, came out. Did they come out around the same time? They're both very yeah. big boomer energy. Um, we should talk both, about the big chill someday, guys. Well, they're yeah, both, so you get to talk more Costner. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're both they're both three three words. They're all short words, and they're all from the same time. And I think just going for similar similar audiences. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that for sure. Um, well, also, if you can't wait for the next thing, you could become a patron yeah. at patreon.com slash the Midnight Boys. Everyone's doing And our that. most recent episode is about boxing Helena. Oh, my God. So you could listen to that. That's $2 a month. And if you want to become part of the Sheba Pit, for $6 a month, not only do you get that, but you also get to help vote on what movies we talk about on that paid feed, along with helping us craft the seasons. You become month. our boss. You become our boss. You become a producer. You become kinda. our deacon. And it won't. we won't go over budget. <laughs> um, and uh, Or you could pay $50 and, uh, and we talk about a movie, which, by the way, we've got listeners, we have two of these lined up for when this season's over. People want us to talk about movies that they want, <laughs> that can, they want us to talk can, about. <laughs> you can tell those stimulus checks went out. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, guys, it's been it's been a pleasure to talk about Kevin Costner and uh, <laughs> and and, you know, Waterworld, too. 